0: now, America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is The Michael Medved
1: Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. A great day to take a look at the attempt by President Biden to vault from some of the energy of his State of the Union address into the position of being a strong popular incumbent well nice try as they say the uh, the figures are finally in on how many people actually watched the State of the Union address most people who watched it according to all the polls were a self-selecting group people who wanted to hear from President Biden but what's amazing about it is it was such a low uh, turnout such a low participation it's uh, they, since they've been measuring State of the Union participation over 30 years, this is the second lowest uh, audience for a State of the Union address, and they missed all the fun and all the action and the back and forth with the uh, with the Democrats. There's a piece in the New York Times today by their TV critic about how this helped Biden enormously. Well, it didn't help Biden that much because nobody saw it. And that's a real problem. What could help Biden and maybe hurt uh, the Republicans uh, very badly would be, uh, there's a, a piece in Newser that argues that if Nikki Haley does jump in it would almost surely surely hurt Ron DeSantis and help Donald Trump and help him win the nomination. Uh, we will get to that and the logic behind it on The Michael Medved Show. We'll also be talking about the Chinese balloon. And the continued controversy about the balloon, it, it's not going to be a major issue in the election. It's going to drop out, I mean, an, unless we have another balloon attack, which it seems to me is most unlikely. But uh, the idea is we now know that they've been uh, putting forward these what are called uh, red zeppelins. Get it? I mean, that's Wall Street Journal's trying that. The uh, The idea that these red zeppelins have been cruising all over the world I mean why are they spying on South America and the idea basically being that this is just part of the priorities of Chinese intelligence they want to be very prepared for global war and uh, this now concerning uh, the the idea that uh, there are American generals who believe that war with China is inevitable and is likely to occur by 2025, which really is very soon. Would we be ready for it? We're going to be speaking with uh, a a veteran of the Navy and of Navy planning. And uh, it's Captain William J. Toady of the U.S. Navy, who is writing about uh, how we are not prepared. And people say, yeah, yeah, but the Americans weren't prepared before Pearl Harbor either, but they came uh, fighting back and producing new planes and tanks and helping to draft and recruit 16 million men. And this time, even though we'll be dealing with men and women, we have a gigantic problem, which is 77% of the people in the age group that would be primed for defending our country, that's 18 to 25 Are ineligible for service based upon their health their drug use their criminal records or for most of them uh, overweight Uh, so what do we do about it we'll be talking to captain toady later in the show Uh, meanwhile in terms of what's going on around the world there was a inspiring Trip, another one, by President Zelensky of Ukraine, who went to London. He spoke to Parliament. He was very effective, as he always is. Uh, his previous trip to London, he had been given the honor of sitting in Churchill's chair. And the interesting thing is that most people don't know this, but uh, Zelensky, they do know that Zelensky is not a tall man. He's a short man. And so was Churchill uh which most people don't recognize because he's such a gigantic figure in our history he was a small individual in person but uh zelensky sat in his chair he uh now has gone to london and to paris uh met with uh, Schulze, the german chancellor and macron and uh all preparing to uh, counteract and maybe overturn what russia is doing the report now is that they are massing 1800 tanks if, just think about that for a moment we're talking about trying to get a hundred or two hundred tanks to help the ukrainians and the russians are massing 1800 tanks look you can believe that the ukrainians will have better equipment because they're Tanks were made in Britain or in Germany or in the United States. And uh, however, the the numbers are just staggering. 700 aircraft and 500,000 men all being massed for the new Ukrainian assault in 10 days. Uh, Zelensky was basically begging the United Kingdom, which is even more pro-Ukraine than than we are under the prime ministership of Rishi Sunak and uh, that's that's basically something that uh, could be coming up at any moment as we approach the anniversary the one-year anniversary of the war Uh, there's also some indication of bipartisanship breaking out in the House of Representatives which is amazing there was just a measure that passed the House of Representatives 419 to zero. The fact that nobody dissented, I mean not Rashida Tlaib or Ilan Omar or Ayanna Presley or Cori Bush or any of the people on the far left or any of the people on the far right, not Lauren Boebert, not Marjorie Taylor Greene, not Matt Gates. So what was it that brought people together? Uh, we will get to that. The the Carl Rove piece today, and he writes generally on Thursdays in the Wall Street Journal, and what he writes was that Biden's State of the Union was a bad bet, and not just because of the small audience it drew on television— He writes that his speech was a gigantic political bet. Team Biden knows that Americans feel both that the economy is in bad shape and that things have gotten worse for their families since he took office. Workers' wages rose less than prices last year, which probably explains these sour feelings. This, along with his malaprops and advanced age, have left only about one quarter of Americans confident in his ability to run the White House. Only 37% of Democrats want him to run again. And we covered that poll before, before the State of the Union address. 62% of Democrats said they wanted him not to run. Not to run. Uh, Lest anyone think things are on the upswing, it was 52% who wanted him to run again before the midterms. Even last month's jobs numbers haven't helped Mr. Biden in a February 1st. Washington Post, ABC poll, 60% of respondents say Mr. Biden has not made progress in creating more good jobs in their communities. That's part of the president's bigger problem. 62% and this is in February 1st, it's very recent, say he has accomplished not very much or little or nothing while he's occupied the Oval Office. Uh, so what happens? Where do they go? Uh, James Carville has his ideas, but it includes a term that is, well, described as racially insensitive. What is it? Not what you think. We'll get to that and more coming up on the Medved Show.
0: The Michael Medved Show. <laughs>
1: Uh, Biden today is uh, touring Florida trying to put an emphasis on what he believes is a surging economy. Let us hope that he is right. That would benefit the entire country, and it wouldn't necessarily reelect him, even if it was. I mean, the numbers on Joe Biden and the amount of confidence that he draws, the amount of reluctance there is, even among people who are self-identified Democrats. And who have no intention of voting Republican, but who can't see themselves voting for an 82-year-old Joe Biden. And no, he's not 82 yet, but he he would be if uh, at the time that he is inaugurated as president for a second term. Be 82 at the beginning of his second term, 86 at the end of his second term. One of the things that I was wondering about, and... If there's anybody out there who's an actuary uh, in in Los Angeles, one of our good friends <laughs> was had the exciting job of being an actuary, somebody who looks at numbers and insurance risks and uh, the the what numbers can tell you about what's likely to happen when you're uh, eighty. Just say you're eighty, right? As as President Biden is now, uh, what are the chances? in that year between 80 and 81 that you have some medical misfortune they're not insignificant i mean the the light when you talk about life expectancy and there's every indication that joe biden is an unusually healthy guy he works out he takes care of himself he's had medical problems in the past but this used to be something that we talked about and thought about a great deal Uh, There was, um, uh, with President Eisenhower, there were two heart attacks, and uh, people were deeply concerned. Uh, There was Richard Nixon was vice president at the time, and uh, it it was a a difficult moment. And we had the president of the United States, former general-in-chief of the European theater in World War II, a national hero, and he was sick uh we've had all kinds of situations with president johnson president nixon himself had serious medical issues and i'm not saying that's the only way that uh, joe biden loses but that has to be on people's minds and i he's he did one thing in the state of the union that i think most people recognize was mission accomplished he looked uh, energetic and feisty, and vital. Uh, not sharp as attack. Uh, not not brilliant. Not none of that. But um, more energetic than you would expect for an eighty-year-old guy. But that number of being eighty years old, which was emphasized by Sarah Huckabee Sanders in her response to President Biden, she emphasized the fact that he's eighty. She's 40. And how much we need uh, a new generation and to maybe finally get done uh, with the baby boomers. By the way, Joe Biden doesn't even officially count as a baby boomer because he's too old. He's still the very tail end of the greatest generation. Um, the, the point that Karl Rove makes about what's going on is that um, it's remarkable that on Tuesday night, that would be uh, the night before last, the State of the Union night, Mr. Biden doubled down. He's betting big that the economy is already turning around. He crowed loudly about its improving state, rewrote history where needed. Two years ago, he said, the economy was reeling. Well, no, it wasn't. I mean, people can remember we had four years of a mostly very successful economy under President Trump. Something you can't take away from him and you can't obscure that from people's memories. He urged Americans to finish the job. That phrase, writes Karl Rove, was the subject line of a fundraising email he sent out at 1024 p.m. asking for seven dollars. For the DNC, the Democratic National Committee. Apparently, he uh, sent this out while in the limo back to the White House. Uh, he's teasing. Obviously, it was prepared before. Now we know his 2024 reelection slogan finish the job? Would that work? Will staying the course work for Mr. Biden? Ask Grove. Maybe that strategy paid off for Ronald Reagan, who had worse polling and worse economic numbers at this point in his first term. But Mr. Reagan had something Mr. Biden doesn't have, a good plan. While Fed Chairman Paul Volcker was aggressively stamping out inflation, Mr. Reagan was cutting taxes, slashing red tape and unnecessary regulation, freeing up the economy, reining in Washington spending, and creating confidence through an optimistic but realistic conversation about the nation's challenges. By contrast, Mr. Biden raised taxes, dramatically scaled up the regulatory burden, puffed up domestic government spending, and undermined public confidence with um, his bumbling ways. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah, it's fair. It's fair and accurate. On Tuesday, he advocated for more of the same for the next two years. House Republicans will, of course, keep this from happening. But if the economy recovers, the president will argue it was in spite of the GOP intransigence. If inflation does not dissipate or a recession arrives, Mr. Biden will blame the Republicans. And the Republicans did not have uh, an ideal presentation of their case. And this wasn't the fault of Sarah Huckabee Sanders. It was the fault of people in that House chamber. Here's what... uh, Uh, James Carville said about this on MSNBC, particularly about one Marjorie Taylor Greene and her colleagues. Listen.
0: You know, I told people I have a PhD in white trashology, and you saw real white trash on display. Hmm. And let me say something about Congressman Marjorie Taylor Greene. She dresses like white trash. She really needs a fashion consultant. Can I recommend George Santos? (laughs) <laughs> he he can do a good job of, of dressing up, where she doesn't announce her white trash them by her her, her own well, clothes and James,
1: <laughs> is that uh, fair, James? I'm I'm glad uh, no one in in the government or in the politics right now said that, because I mean I had noticed if you remember what Marjorie Taylor Greene was wearing, she was wearing a heavy coat and there was a fake fur collar, and which she never took off. I mean. And uh, my wife, Diane, when we were talking about it, says don't mention the way she dressed. Don't mention it. You you are not anyone to talk about clothing. And she's right about that. So we let James Carville get it. What else did he have to say? Is it okay to call people like Marjorie Taylor Greene white trash, or does that only strengthen her? Will she only lift that up use that like the way that Hillary Clinton used uh, the deplorables and that didn't help Hillary Clinton it helped uh, Donald Trump uh, is it uh, deplorable to use the term white trash more coming up on the mid.
0: And I start to think that you're going to start to feel nice. You turn mean. Just keep listening. I listen to this show four hours a day. To Michael
1: Medved. And on the Michael Medved show, uh, yeah, I may be mean, but I I know enough, I think, uh, not to call people white trash. Uh, This is uh, a James Carville uh, approach to the Republican Party. And the idea that uh, this is insensitive and inappropriate, again, just go back to the idea of somebody who is in the elite, and I know he's the raging Cajun, but he makes millions of dollars a year. He is a very wealthy, privileged guy. He's still married to Mary Matlin and one of the more interesting political pairings of recent times. But uh, James Carville, who was a primary aide to Bill Clinton who helped get him elected in 1992 has been a a member of the Washington establishment for a very long time and for him to say to some newcomers in Washington like Lauren Boebert now now look I was just reading a little bit about (laughs) Lauren Boebert's uh, criminal record which is extensive and her ex-husband's as well her ex-husband was arrested for um one night out with Lauren Bobert before she was Mrs. Bobert. He was uh, arrested for exposing himself to two other women. Hot dog. <laughs> well, that's exactly. <laughs> and and, and uh, no mustard. I Just mean, stop it. I, I, yes. Um, the the uh, the idea that uh, this is a different uh, view of the Republican Party. Than, uh, than has traditionally been the leadership of the party. I mean, you think about the Republican candidates for president uh, over recent years, in including people like Mitt Romney and John McCain and President Bush, and then the previous President Bush and Bob Dole, another war hero. Uh, the the idea that Uh, Right now, the Republican Party has something of an image problem. It's true, but they will help the Republican Party with their image problem by using terms like white trash. And what was so wrong about Hillary Clinton saying that the, the support for Donald Trump in 2016 was made up of a basket of deplorables. Now she didn't say everybody was supporting Trump was a basket of deplorables. He was saying he depended on that basket of deplorables for his support. What it showed was something that has been a crucial part of Trump's appeal. And it's something that Biden tried to imitate uh, a little bit on Tuesday night. What was that integral part of Trump's appeal that uh, that Biden all of a sudden tried to imitate? It's the idea that people in Washington, the movers and shakers, the elites, the people who went to Ivy League schools and have had every privilege and every advantage look down on you. That if you're an ordinary, hardworking American, if you don't have a college degree, that's why uh, the, the the Democrats are making a, a foolish mistake because right now there are uh, statements and it's all over the newspapers and all over the analysis that part of what Biden is trying to do in his tour of swing states following his State of the Union address is to appeal to white people without college degrees. Uh, do white people without college degrees feel particularly proud or empowered because they are uh, lacking what uh, what it's not yet a majority but more and more Americans seem to feel is essential which is getting a bachelor's degree and at, at some college a four-year college degree does that uh, something that people feel chastened about or or that the the idea is that talking about okay Biden's going to come out here and attract people with no college degree. it does also communicate an idea of looking down on folks, which is not appropriate, especially uh, when uh, what what really is needed it's just something that Marco Rubio has been very good on, which is alternatives to college degrees because the entire idea, That uh, we are going to be granting untold trillions of dollars to pay off people's college loans, that's already an indication of looking down on, ignoring uh, people who don't go to college, maybe didn't want to go to college, maybe started college but didn't finish the the whole idea that this is a separate group of Americans that you have to treat almost like a separate race or a separate species that is not an advantageous way for Republicans or for Democrats to uh, to campaign here's um, more of what uh, uh, James Carville had to say about what he considers the party of white trash listen
0: you reach across the aisle and this is what you get sometimes Well, first of all, their lust for cutting Social Security and Medicare is well documented. We know that Newt Gingrich uh, shut the government down and, of course, got defeated in the end. We know that George W. Bush tried to privatize Social Security and Medicare. We know that when Paul Ryan was Speaker and John Boehner, they did everything they could to cut Social Security and Medicare. Uh, we know that that is their, their objective. I, I've heard today uh, the congressman from South Dakota saying that we got to come together and, and make these cuts. So um, President Biden is 1,000 percent right on this, and he's right to, to, to press ahead. And I thought he had a great night last night. And the, it's just it's the, the, the level of white trashdom in the Republican Party is just staggering. I mean, for somebody that has observed it. For a long time, like I have, it—I've it, it, never seen it manifest itself on the level that it's manifesting itself.
1: Okay, uh, and and basically, uh, he was talking about the congressman from South Dakota. He's talking about Dusty Johnson, who is as articulate, uh, a bright, non-white trashy, as you could possibly possibly want for. I mean, it's outrageous James and and it's also outrageous to claim that the Republican Party has been trying to undermine Social Security what we have been trying to do is to repeat what President Reagan did on a bipartisan basis working with Tip O'Neill which is to save Social Security they save Social Security by raising uh, the general retirement age by two years from 65 to 67 to make up for the fact that people were living much, much longer than they lived when Social Security was instituted, when most people were dead by age 65. I mean, really, the, uh, the idea that, uh, that what President Bush was trying to do by giving people choice about putting away personal uh, investment accounts that would earn more interest than uh, than they could possibly earn in Social Security. Uh, the, the idea that people think that their Social Security money is being put away somewhere and earning interest that will pay them later, it's not. This is all with the government paying out to Social Security recipients more than they've paid in. And especially when uh, Kevin McCarthy and donald trump and everybody else in authority or leadership in the republican party has said no we are not trying to cut or trim or eliminate or even slow the growth of social security and of course this is a sensitive matter because people on social security have just had a substantial increase not based upon a congressional decision but based upon the level of inflation that was imposed on the American people under the Biden presidency. So coming up, why was Lauren Boebert, uh, who's one of those people I think Carvel is speaking about in a very derisive way, why was she so utterly out of control at a congressional hearing? We'll get to that coming up on The MedVet Show. This is kept on the Michael Medved show. Well, certainly here, but uh, there's an attempt by the new Republican majority in Congress to keep their promises, to investigate, 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 not only to get to the bottom of the Hunter Biden laptop story, uh, but to expose any other foreign influence by uh, President Biden's family, by his family. Sister-in-law and his brother and his uncles and his aunts, so they reckon they will be dozens. Um, it, it's it's uh, it's going on. There are demands that uh, the Biden relatives turn over all kinds of papers and documentation, and that's fair enough uh, because there is a real problem. If the president of the United States, now president of the United States, at any time was trying to sell his influence or to use his influence to get all kinds of foreign money and these are accusations that have been around for a long time they will now be uh, investigated fully especially with this demand for more documentation The the kind of papers by the way that uh, President Trump never provided about his multifarious business endeavors in any event There was a hearing yesterday for the House Oversight and Accountability Committee uh, chaired by James R. Comer about former executives for Twitter. The House Republicans, this uh, reported by the New York Times, House Republicans yesterday summoned former Twitter executives to answer accusations that the social media platform has tried to silence voices on the right. But the hours-long hearing yielded new revelations about how the company failed to limit hateful speech or material that could incite violence sometimes altering its own rules to avoid doing so in other words the Democrats led by Jamie Raskin who uh, because he is battling cancer and I feel for him uh, is wearing a sort of blue bandana over over his head uh, Jamie Raskin uh, actually led the fight and suggested uh, that uh, Twitter and other social media companies acted as central organizing and staging grounds for the January 6th violent insurrection against Congress and the vice president. And so there were attacks by Democrats for saying they didn't censor enough, and attacks by Republicans saying they censored too much, and all of it coming down to uh, one of the takeaways, in quotes, from the hearing, President Trump tried to get the model, Christy Teigen, uh censored for insulting him. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. Uh, Anika Collier-Navaroli, who is a former Twitter executive who was a whistleblower during the January 6th investigation, recalled an incident from 2019 when a White House official tried to persuade the Twitter company to delete a tweet by the model Chrissy Teigen. She had insulted Mr. Trump in vulgar, vulgar terms after he referred to her as fil- filthy mouth. And what she tweeted was that Mr. Trump was a. Now I can't say it. It is it is the kind of thing. Of, well, we're censoring here, and it's it's not because of threats from the White House or anything else, but it, it's just. Uh, had tweeted that Mr. Trump was a, and then she used a word for a little kitten, and then she used a word for a donkey, and then she used a word for a female dog. Okay. Put it together. right? <laughs> That's what she said. And, um, that, uh, and they had, um, at Twitter was criticized by the white house because they had failed to, uh, to censor that. They had let that go out. And, uh, the they wanted it to come down because it was derogatory statement directed to the president. She said, uh, "Ms. Navaroli added that Twitter often evaluated tweets to see if they contained more than three insults before judging that they had crossed the line into abuse." Uh, Twitter declined to delete Ms. Teigen's um, tweet. Uh, then uh, Twitter. Ch- changed internal rules to avoid limiting mr. Trump's tweets and uh, with all of this going on uh, Lauren Boebert got pretty excited about her own history with Twitter and being banned from her account this is uh, clip 8
2: did you shadow ban my account yes or no
1: again not to the best of my
2: recollection so the answer is mr roth yes you did i found out last night from twitter staff that you suppressed my account for this tweet it's eight freaking joke about hillary clinton being angry that she couldn't rig her election it's a joke but in response Being the sinister overlords that you all are, you placed a 90-day account filter so I could not be found. And now we see here that Twitter staff said the visibility filter on my account excluded me from top searches, prevented notifications for non-followers, and much more. This is considered an aggressive visibility filter. You silenced members of Congress from communicating with their constituents. You you silenced me from communicating with the American people over a freaking joke. Now, who the hell do you think that you are?
1: Okay, she concluded her remarks with a, a strong comparison. Listen.
2: Election interference? Yeah, I would say that that was taking place because of you four sitting here. The Hunter Biden laptop story was suppressed. A sitting member of Congress was suppressed. A a sitting president was banned from Twitter. You know, I bet that Putin is sitting in the Kremlin wishing he had as much election intervention interference as you four here today.
1: Okay. um, Lauren Boebert. Obviously, feeling very much slighted because of her temporary interruption on on Twitter. Uh, Honestly, given the fact that that virtually none of these people are talking about are still in positions of authority in Twitter, it's an entirely different, differently run company under Elon Musk, who who bought it. The uh, there's a new poll: a majority of Americans believe that uh, Republicans will spend too much time investigating President Joe Biden and not enough time on other priorities, according to new data from the NBC News poll. Fifty-five percent of adults share that sentiment, while 31 percent of adults believe the GOP will strike the right balance, and 11 percent say the GOP won't spend enough time on investigating Biden. Uh, Let let me say, I think they're going to spend plenty of time investigating Biden and uh, the idea of investigating former Twitter uh, executives is, is this uh, genuinely, uh, by the way, one of the biggest charges against Twitter was that the FBI had actually ordered them to block the, any articles or to block any mentions of the new york post article about uh... the hunter biden and the laptop uh... they denied that they had any contact at all with the fbi the former executives testified that while the decision was in part a reaction to public fbi warnings about possible russian misinformation the government had not directly pressured the social media platform to block the article A central accusation leveled by Republicans. I am aware of no unlawful collusion with or direction from any government agency or political campaign on how Twitter should have handled the Hunter Biden laptop situation, testified James Baker, Twitter's former deputy general counsel, a representative Jim Jordan of Ohio, Republican, of course and the chair of the Judiciary Committee said he believed Twitter executives had been looking for a reason to censor the article before the election because they were biased. He cited a tweet from one executive that compared members of the Trump administration to Nazis. I think you guys got played, Mr. Jordan said. I think you guys wanted to take it down. I think you guys got played by the FBI. Uh, the FBI is also being investigated separately. I'll tell you something else that has been investigated, with some stunning new information, which is new evidence that uh, medical evidence about the dangers of marijuana and uh, how it it actually endangers you. Uh, very directly if you use marijuana regularly if you're going to get anesthetic during some kind of medical procedure like an endoscopy or anything else uh, we will be talking about that and uh, about the fact that there are going to be more people using marijuana than alcohol very soon in this greatest nation on God's green earth